0: Turn in your Bibles, please, to 2 Samuel chapter 12 as we continue our study through the first book or through 2 Samuel. We've been in First and 2 Samuel for some time now. 2 Samuel chapter 12, beginning with verse 15. Then Nathan went to his house, and the Lord afflicted the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. David therefore sought God on behalf of the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. And the elders of his house stood beside him to raise him from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. On the seventh day, the child died and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold... While the child was yet alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. How then can we say to him, The child is dead? He may do himself some harm. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, Is the child dead? They said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. He then went to his own house, and when he asked, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servant said to him, What is this thing that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. He said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that my child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went into her and lay with her, and she bore a son and... He called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him and sent a message by Nathan the prophet, so he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. Now Joab fought against Rabbah of the Ammonites and took the royal city, and Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbah. Moreover, I have taken the city of waters." Now then gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called by my name. So David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah and fought against it and took it. And he took the crown of their king from his head. The weight of it was a talent of gold and in it was a precious stone and it was placed on David's head. And he brought out the spoil of the city, a very great amount. And he brought out the people who were in it and set them to labor with saws and iron picks and iron axes and made them toil at the brick kilns. And thus he did to all the cities of the Ammonites. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. And may God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that you have spoken to us, and we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come and speak to us, that we would hear the voice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that we would see him high and lifted up. We pray that the sheep would hear the voice of their good shepherd, of our good shepherd, and know him and follow him and offer ourselves to him promptly and sincerely in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated, please. Do you know, God, in the passage before us, King David's servants do not understand why he is acting the way he is. You know the story. We've been in it for some time. David committed adultery with Bathsheba while her husband was off fighting in David's army. She then came to be expecting David's child and David wound up giving orders to Joab, the commander of the army, to make sure that her husband Uriah was killed in battle to cover up the adultery. After Uriah's death, David married Bathsheba and added her to the wives he already had. Then the Lord sent the prophet Nathan to confront David. He told David that he had sinned was guilty of adultery and murder. The child would die and David and his house would be under the judgment of God. David confessed his sin and repented. The Lord forgave him. And now Bathsheba has given birth to the baby that God said would die and immediately the child becomes ill. And for a solid week, David fasts. He will not eat a thing. He does nothing but pray and weep. Then... On the seventh day, the child dies. David gets up and goes on about his business. His servants simply do not understand him or what he's doing. But this passage is showing us that David is acting this way because he knows the Lord. As heinous as David's sin has been, as bad as he is messed up, he still knows God. And so the question this passage raises for each one of us is do you know God? Do I know God? Let's look at it. First in this passage, we see the merciful God. Look at verse 18. On the seventh day, the child died And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while a child was yet alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. How then can we say to him, The child is dead? He may do himself some harm. But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, Is the child dead? They said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth And washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. He then went to his own house, and when he asked, they set food before him, and he ate. And you see, the servants are afraid to tell David that the child has died. He has been so intense. For the past week in prayer and fasting, he's been so emotional, they are literally afraid David will try to hurt himself if they tell him the child has died. But David can figure it out. So David then, he gets cleaned up, goes to worship God, comes back and eats. The servants do not understand. David, you were so torn up when the child was sick, but now that he is dead, you seem fine. They ask him, what is this thing that you have done? Look at his answer in verse 22. While a child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, who knows? Well, the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live. David prayed and fasted and wept because he knew that God was the merciful God. The God who forgives and restores sinners. The God who does not treat us as our sins deserve nor reward us according to our iniquities. He is the God who rather than send Adam and Eve straight to hell from the garden of Eden, clothed them in the skins of an animal and promised to send the one who would destroy the serpent. He is the God who later on would not bring destruction upon Nineveh when they heard Jonah preach doom and repented. David knows this God. David wrote these words in Psalm 130. If thou, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. He is the God who, like the father of the prodigal son, welcomes sinners home. We have no hope if he holds our record against us, but with him there is forgiveness. So while the child lives, David prays. For mercy. He knows the merciful God. Secondly, we see the righteous God. Look at verse 20 again. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord in worship. He then went to his own house. When they asked, they set food before him and he ate. David prays. He prays with the utmost intensity for the Lord to spare the child. The Lord does not. The child dies. So what does David do? He cleans up, puts on his Sunday best, and goes to worship God. Job says the Lord gave and the Lord same one that gave has taken away blessed be the name of the Lord whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well, it is well with my soul. Or the prophet Habakkuk who said, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail. And the field shall yield no produce. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy. In the God of my salvation. In other words, when the bottom falls out and everything goes wrong and nothing goes as I would have it, I must. And I will worship God. God did not do what David wanted, but God is always righteous in all that He does, He always does right, He is always worthy to be praised. David prayed for mercy, but mercy in its essence is undeserved. If it were deserved, it would not be mercy by definition. David does not have an entitlement mentality as though somehow God owed him mercy. Much like the people of Nineveh who much like David said, who knows, perhaps God will turn from his fierce anger but I'm not entitled to it. Now, the Lord has been merciful to David. He's forgiven him. But the consequences of David's actions are in God's hands, and David is resigned to the righteous control and will of God. He knows the righteous God. He knows the merciful God. He knows the righteous God. Thirdly, in this passage, we see, and David knows, the loving God. Look at verse 24. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba and went into her and lay with her, and she bore a son. And he called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him and sent a message by Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. Now the death of this child is not the end of this story. David and Bathsheba, we know from the scripture, they had several children. This text here skips ahead and focuses on Solomon who would be the next king. It says here that the Lord loved him. So as well as Solomon, he was called Jedidiah because the Lord loved him. Now David's marriage to Bathsheba began under very wicked circumstances. Yet the Lord showed mercy to David and the Lord loved their child. David knows loving God. Merciful God, righteous God, the loving God. Fourthly, in this passage, we see the personal God. The personal God. Look at verse 26. Now Joab fought against Raba the Ammonites and took the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Raba. Moreover, I have taken the city of waters. Now then gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called by my name. So David gathered all the people together and went to Ribah and fought against it and took it. And now remember, all this that we've been on the last three or four messages has, has all happened while Israel was battling the Ammonites. David slept with Bathsheba while Uriah, her husband, was out fighting the Ammonites like David was supposed to be doing. Now, obviously, over nine months have passed. The battle has continued to rage. But now David finally goes to the battlefield and Israel wins. But you know, after all this that's happened, victory feels hollow. The victory over the Ammonites, the, the authors intentionally framed the telling this way to show us that the victory over the Ammonites pales in comparison to David's own sin. Great devotional writer in the 1800s. I won't pretend I've read a whole lot of his stuff, but E.M. Bounds made a well-known statement in one of his devotional books on prayer that, quote, man is looking for better methods... God is looking for better men. He looks on the heart. He is the personal God, the God before whose eyes all things are laid bare, the God who has numbered the hairs of our heads, who knows all our secrets and our thoughts. And so the personal failure of David overshadows the victory over the Ammonites. David knew the merciful God, he knew the righteous God, the loving God, he knew the personal God. And fifthly, and finally, he knew, and we see in this passage, the God who gives eternal life. Look at verse 23. Go back. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him but he will not return to me. Now I saved the best part of this passage for last intentionally. David says there's no need to fast now, no need to pray for the baby. He's gone. He will not come back to me can't pray him back from the dead but I will go to him Now, some of the modern scholars who fancy themselves to be highly sophisticated say this simply means that David knew he would die one day and then he would be buried next to his child but it means a whole lot more than that. David would meet his child in the presence of God. And he knew he would. This same Jesus, or this same David, wrote of Jesus the Messiah who would come. Psalm 16 for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. David knew he saw that there would be a resurrection He knew there was joy in the presence of God. He knew there were pleasures at the right hand of God. He knew there was a heaven. He knew there was life beyond the grave. And so he said of his child, I shall go to him. But he will not return. You know, if you read the genealogy of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, first chapter, it traces Jesus' lineage through Solomon. Matthew follows the line of succession to the throne and he writes in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ that David begat Solomon by the wife of Uriah. This union, which began in adultery and murder, God used it to bring Jesus Christ into the world. The one who did all the work necessary to go and prepare a place so that where he is, there may his people be. Through David and Bathsheba, the one came into the world who would die for David's adultery and murder. And would rise from the grave to prepare an eternal home where David and Bathsheba could be with their child forever. David was a sinner, but he knew God. We're all sinners. That's a foregone conclusion. Whether you are a sinner is not the question. The question is, are you a sinner who knows God? he knows forgiveness his mercy his righteousness his love do you have eternal life and this is eternal life that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, Amen